All right, all right. Yeah, that Hebrews group, let me tell you, it's popping off. This last week, we had a shorter meeting than usual, um, just because a lot of the group is part of the JB house, and um, but we still covered like a lot of ground, and everyone had some really amazing revelation that you might feel like, you know, Hebrews is such a dense book, and you might feel like we're not getting the full meat and potatoes. So come on Wednesday if you're a meat and potatoes guy or gal. Um, yeah. Well, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to pray. Jesus, it's all about you. We're here to learn about you. We are here to know about you. We're here to know you personally, to meet you. So let everything that's spoken, every song that's sung, every melody that's heard, every prayer that is prayed, just draw us closer to you. (sighs) Let it be like I'm not even here and it's just you, Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, Well, before we get started, um, I'm going to do something that every time somebody does this when they're speaking, they always preface it with like, this is going to seem kind of like out there and I hope it's not weird, but I wanted to highlight a few people that God was highlighting to me. He told me like a week and a half ago that he was going to give me four people to give either like a prophetic word or a word of encouragement. Um, So if it's okay, all that's, it's nothing crazy hearing a prophetic word if you're new to that. It's a fancy word for sometimes God speaks to us, and he asks us to share it with somebody else. That's all. Um, So thank you, Jesus. Um, Laura Harris, this isn't the first time God has had a word for her when I've spoken. Um, But God just wanted to say that you were so recognized and remind you that you were recognized probably more so than you might know in this community, but also by him. And he recognizes the fact that through all the stuff with your dad, and his health issues, that you have maintained your faith, and he wants to reward you with that. And I don't know if that's just like a reward of faith in heaven, or a reward of something earthly and practical, but just bless that in Jesus' name. And yeah, just want to encourage you with that. And then Noah Becchio, yeah. Um, What's up? Um, The Lord just wanted to, he was telling me that He's taken you into like a season of like just crazy growth in your life and that he wants to develop in a deeper way his own relationship with you. You have such amazing parents that know him so well that can speak into you and encourage you and help guide you on the way, but he wants to take you to a depth that is going to be just you and him and it's going to be more personal and it's going to be more, uh, what's the word, Jesus? Just more, yeah, more personal and independent, I guess, in between you and him. Always receive encouragement and instruction because they're super wise. But, like, just know that God wants it with you one-on-one as well, and he's going to take you even deeper as long as you're up for it. So um, thank you, Jesus, for that. Um, Jalen. Jalen, God just wants to honor you because you have been here for six years now, and many of you might not know, but Jalen like has run so many of like the behind the scenes stuff, 
and she has served in the Jesus Burgers house for a long time um, before moving to Sueño, and she still serves in a huge capacity, and she, in the best way possible, is like a silent killer. <laughs> like, you might not know it, but she's up to good things with God all the time, and God just wanted to highlight you and honor you and say, you're amazing. Thank you for everything that you've done, and we're really blessed to have you. Um, and then in a similar vein, I don't know where she went. Where's KK? Oh, you're in the back. Yeah. Same deal. You're like, especially for Ivy Worship right now, just blessing us so much and bringing so much. You and Danny both have just like everything that you pioneered with Laity that you were doing back home has now been a gift for all of us. And God wants to honor you. And he also told me that... Um, there's more for you than just that, more for you than just blessing us and getting community and connections, but he just has a deeper depth of encounters with him for you and newer revelation and newer knowledge of him and how he feels about you and how he thinks about you and what he wants to do with your life. Thank you, Jesus. Um, so bless all of them. But then the funny thing is I was like, God, all four people that you highlighted are women. And he was like, well, guess what? I've got a word for all the women. So, um, yeah, so the Lord was basically just like, um, yeah, ladies. (laughs) All right, all right, all right, come on. You are worth nothing less than the full life and outpouring of Jesus. Okay? And I think there's a few of you here that have a good grasp on that, and there are a few of you here who are getting a good grasp on that, but there are also a few of you here who have experienced something, probably from a male church authority or something of that nature, who said or at least made you feel otherwise. And your takeaway from whatever this situation was Whether you knew it or not, in your mind, it's hard to receive what Jesus has for you because this imprint has left you feeling like, well, me being a woman, I guess I'm second. I guess I'm not, you know, I'm not like invited into the inner circle. But it's important to remember that the first people that Jesus appeared to in his resurrection was women. The first people he revealed himself to, the Samaritan woman was the first to publicly figure out, oh, this is the Messiah. Ladies, you are so important and valuable. And men, this is also for you too, but like, ladies, you need to know what you're worth, and it's the full life of Jesus, the full outpouring, all of his holiness, all of his grace, all of his forgiveness, and also all of his strength and all of his gifting, okay? So if anybody shows up and makes you feel like you're less than that, Just don't listen. Um, Thank you, Jesus, for the reminder. Psalm 6311, this is your blessing with that word. The kings and queens shall rejoice in God, and everyone who lives by him shall glory, and the mouths of liars will be shut. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus is all about truth, you know? That is Psalm 63, verse 11. I'll try to remember to drop it in the group mirror. Maybe that's what Mark's planning to do. Um, okay, thank you, Jesus. I forgot to start my timer. So, all right, all right. So as you know, we have been going through Hebrews. 
And uh, let's see. Just going to get a little swig of water, as is classic for my teachings. Every time, I get so nervous, and then my mouth gets dry, and then I freak out. <laughs> okay, here we go. Um, let's all close our eyes. We're going to do a little meditation together. I want you to repeat after me. Close your eyes. Everybody, close your eyes. Nothing weird's about to happen, I promise. It's nothing sketchy, okay? All right, I promise. I want you to repeat after me. I am forgiven. I am forgiven. One more time. I am forgiven. Keep your eyes closed. My forgiveness isn't earned. My forgiveness isn't earned. God gives it to me freely. Thank you, Jesus. So um, I very much am like a teacher type. It's very easy for me to go down every single rabbit hole of every single verse and want to give you guys a five-hour exposition on what everything means. But God doesn't really want to do that today. <laughs> and I was asking him for a word um, just to make our primary focus for tonight. And this is what I felt like he said, that he just wants to be the main message. I want my people to know they are forgiven. You guys, if you didn't know, are God's people. So we've been going through Hebrews 8 through 10, and today we are going to try to take a deep dive of somewhat to an extent of Hebrews 9. There, again, is a lot of meat and potatoes there. We might not get through all of it, and that's totally okay because I just want to talk about Jesus today. Um, but just to kind of give a little bit of a recap and a context before we dive into that of where we've been coming from, Hebrews is a letter that was written to a group of Jewish converts to Christianity, right? And if you know anything about the Old Testament and the ancient Israelites, they lived in a very different covenant than what we're going to talk about and receive today, which was essentially God called the Israelites out of Egypt, and he said, hey, you will be my chosen people, I will be your God, and I will deliver you to a promised land. I just want you to obey my commands. And if you don't, it's bad news. Not that God was willing bad news on them, but it was a lesson in understanding we need to trust God and depend on him. And the byproduct of not doing that is bad news. Now, the Israelites say, yay, God, yes. And in about less than five minutes, they immediately break that covenant. So a few centuries go on. They're wrangling it back and forth. And God, by the time of the prophet Jeremiah, comes forward and says, it's time for a new covenant. And this is what that covenant is. Um, we're gonna, it's going to be out of Hebrews 8 through 10. Just go ahead and look at the slide because it's going to be a different translation than what's in front of you. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother saying, know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. So let's all close our eyes one more time. One more time, just repeat after me. This is the covenant God has made with me. 
eyes closed. There it is. He remembers my sins no more. Thank you, Jesus. All right, all right. Now, if you want to open your Bibles in front of you, there should be some. Um, Going into chapter 9, basically we're going to be talking about the sanctuary, the Holy of Holies, and what Jesus did to flip everything on its head that we could be eternally forgiven and brought into the inner circle, the Holy of Holies, which is the dwelling, the living presence of God. So starting with verses 1 through 5, I want to preface this with, if you're not familiar with Old Testament stuff, it's okay. If a lot of this stuff goes right out of your head, you don't understand it, don't worry about it. This is all just setting the stage, okay? So starting with verses 1 through 5. Now even the first covenant had regulations for worship in an earthly place of holiness. For a tent was prepared, the first section in which were the lampstand and the table and the bread of the presence. You might also know that as the showbread. It is called the holy place. But behind the second curtain was a second section called the most holy place, the holiest of all, having the golden altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant covered on all sides with gold, in which was a golden urn holding the manna, an Aaron staff that budded, and the tablets of the covenant. Above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. But of these things... We cannot speak in detail right now. Great, thanks. How many of you are like, what is any of that stuff? Totally okay. Totally okay, because all you need to know is this. At this point, again, the author's writing to Jewish folks, ancient Hebrews that are, they know all this stuff. He's assuming they probably have an understanding. All you need to know is this. Then the old covenant, there once existed an earthly sanctuary, okay? And it was called the tabernacle or the meeting place. This is also the place that becomes the temple in the city of Jerusalem. All of that stuff that was listed is all just rich symbolism that um, we just don't need to dig into right now. But we'll break it down like this. The tabernacle was where the presence of God, a.k.a. the Holy Spirit, would come dwell amongst Israel. It was divided into two sections. The outer sanctuary, which is called the holy place, and the inner sanctuary, which is most often called the Holy of Holies. The inner sanctuary is more specifically where God's presence dwelt, and it was separated from the outer sanctuary sanctuary by a veil. You guys tracking with me so far? Inside it were significant items, and they all were representative of God's covenant with Israel, but more importantly, the tabernacle was a foreshadowing of the covenant that was to come and to represent what communion with God in heaven was meant to look like. So you guys remember the covenant that we read? You'll remember our sins no longer. We'll be his people. He'll be our God. So before we go on, a little bit more context is that with the tabernacle, not everyone was allowed to go in. Only a select part of Israel was allowed to set foot inside. And these were, you might have heard them referred to as the Levitical priests. And they came from one of the tribes of Israel, believe the tribe of Aaron. And of these priests even, so these priests could all go into the outer sanctuary, but only one of them, who was dubbed the high priest, he was dubbed the chief mediator between God and the Israelites, and only he was allowed into the Holy of Holies on Israel's behalf to minister to God and to see if he could broker uh, maintaining the covenant that Israel had with God. 
Got it? All good? Okay. So let's read verses 6 through 10. These preparations having thus been made, the priests go regularly into the first section, performing their ritual duties. But into the second, only the high priest goes, and he only goes once a year, not without taking blood, which he has to offer for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people. By this, the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy places is not yet opened as long as this first section is still standing. The first section is symbolic for the present age. According to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper, but deal only with food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body imposed until the time of Reformation. So it's giving us a reminder and a picture of what it looked like for the priests to operate in the temple. Let's break it down. All the, I kind of already said some of this stuff, but all the priests were allowed into the sanctuary to perform their rituals pretty much daily, but only the high priest could enter into the Holy of Holies. The high priest, though, he had to bring a sacrifice, an animal sacrifice, not just for the people of Israel, but for himself too, because you have to keep in mind, high priest as he might be, he's just a guy, you know? So he's prone to sin and to stumble and mess things up just like the rest of us. And chances are, especially by the time Jesus was on the scene, he was. Water break. Thank you. (laughs) So he had to continuously bring a sacrifice for himself. But you might also notice that it says, for the unintentional sins of the people. So there were 613 laws. That sounds like a lot, right? And especially in a culture where not everyone could read and had writings at their house, who the heck is going to be able to maintain that? So whether people meant to or not, everyone was breaking the law in some way. And so everybody needed sacrificial covering in order to be able to receive the yearly forgiveness that God would bless Israel with, assuming the high priest did his job. Sounds kind of tricky, right? So let's, let's think of it this way. I hope I have time for this. Pretend where I was is the Holy of Holies. And this is the outer sanctuary, right? So I can come in here. If I'm not the high priest, I can do my thing. I can worship. I can pray, whatever. But if I go in here, off limits, absolutely off limits, because I haven't received the proper sacrificial sacraments and all this stuff that I need to do to be considered righteous and blameless before the presence, the perfect and holy presence of God in order to come in. Now, if I'm the high priest and I did all my stuff right, cool. I can come on in, but just me. Pretend that none of you guys are in here and you're all out there waiting for me and hoping that I'm going to come back with good news. Guys, God hasn't abandoned us today. We're good for another year. That's like not ideal, right? It's like I'm trying to hang with God all the time. So what the verses are trying to tell us is the format with which the tabernacle was built um, and the fact that only one clean or blameless high priest could enter in are indicators from the Holy Spirit that the way to the Holy of Holies was not yet open to humanity. So what's more is the law which determined what was sinful all these rituals and sacrifices, they weren't able to perfect us. The reason being, these were all external practices and they only dealt with things like what to eat, what not to eat, how to cleanse yourself, the proper regulations to try to live 
independently, this sinless life with God to hopefully be pleasing to him and what he's asking, right? So sacrifices had to be repeatedly performed because people just couldn't live up to it. And not only that, the sacrifices were pretty much insufficient in that they were coming from animals. They were gift offerings and God was pleased by them, but they weren't enough to cover us all and they weren't eternal. So overall, all this stuff was unable to make us perfect and eternally blameless or righteous before God. Tracking with me still. That's most of the meat and potatoes. So we've gone through the deepest part, okay? Just want to make sure, you know. Enter Jesus. This is where it gets real good. I'm a big fan of that guy. He was my favorite character. He's my favorite character in Chosen. He makes me cry. Oh, my God. I, I, never mind. I'm not going to go down there. So ultimately, we're stuck outside, right? Like, maybe if I did the sacrifices just right, I can walk in here and get to hang out with God once a year and uh, be chilling. But God doesn't desire that, right? He already told us way back in Jeremiah's day, he said, this isn't what I want. You guys broke my covenant time and time again. But what I want is to have a covenant with you that is unbreakable and a covenant where your sin is rendered meaningless and done away with. One where you don't need the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the high priests and the pastors and the preachers to say, I'll tell you who God is. Instead, he's like, I want to tell you who I am because you know me. It's me and you. You're in the inner sanctuary with all of us, right? So Jesus comes on the scene. Jesus shows up. This is important to know. I feel like is that he was a human being, right? Just like me and you, hands, feet, has to breathe in order to live, eats when he's hungry. But Jesus is God, right? And if you didn't know, sin cannot exist in the presence of God. This is kind of how we got in this whole debacle in the first place. Touched on it a few weeks ago. You can find it on the podcast. But because Jesus is God, he is able to be the only human on earth at this time that has never, ever sinned and will never sin, i.e. perfect and blameless. Moreover, he is one with God and came from heaven, the place which the tabernacle is based off. Remember, the tabernacle is foreshadowing what's to come, okay? So let's jump into verses 11 through 14. This is the last big chunk. When Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, that's talking about heaven, the tabernacle in heaven, the real thing, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and animals, sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer, if those things sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Amen. Chew on that for a second. 
So when Jesus sacrificed himself, his sacrifice was perfect. It's eternal and it's powerful enough to befit the cleansing of every single one of us if we receive him. Amen? So if the blood of animals was enough to purify a sinful high priest, only one of them at a time, to enter the Holy of Holies, and enough to annually redeem the sins of all the people of Israel, how much more effective will the blood of Jesus be in redeeming us for all time? Right? So if sacrificing a cow can redeem an entire nation, how much more would sacrificing God redeem the entire world? Right? By this perfect sacrifice, the veil that separates the outer sanctuary that was out there from the Holy of Holies is destroyed. There is now no separation. So let's take it back. Where I had to do rituals here, the doors, as you can see, are already open. So if I want to hang with God, it's like, cool. I'm good to go. Thank you, Jesus. His blood is all over the place, so I'm good to go. That sounds weird, I know, but it's true. And it's a good thing. His sacrifice is sufficient for all of us. All people, all men and women, are now welcome in the Holy of Holies. This is good. This is real good. Lastly, where the laws and the rituals, they failed in the power to change us internally. Because remember, they're all external, right? It's like things I have to live up to, but can't quite. Because Jesus through his sacrifice, is partnered with the Holy Spirit. He puts these things in me. Remember, I'm going to write the law on their hearts and their minds. I'm going to be their teacher. Now he is able to make me perfect, to change my ways, to bring me to repentance, where the law wasn't able to, forever alive and blameless to God. Because now he's my teacher. He's, I'm in a relationship with him. Right? So, his perfect sacrifice, it becomes the mark of the new covenant that God promised us. But it is a covenant, and it needs a mediator. So who's it going to be? I see zero volunteers. Perfect. Because <laughs> here's the good news. Jesus sacrificed himself, right? He died in our place. And his death, the death of a blameless human being, was the perfect sacrifice for all of us. That's why it covers us. There's a lot more there. Come to Wednesday group. We can talk about it. But the good news for Jesus and for all of us is that death isn't the end of the story for Jesus. We learned a couple chapters ago that because of his reverence under the Father and being obedient by going to the cross for us and being this sacrifice, the offering that God put in our place, God raised him up from the dead, right? So he's alive. He's our high priest because this God human is alive. He made the perfect sacrifice to open the doors, and now he gets to be our mediator for us. And I think he'd make a great mediator. I think he's doing a great job right now. <laughs> he came back to life and is alive even now and his sacrifice he has entered into the holy of holies on our behalf and he's there eternally this is one of the reasons uh, you might remember from the gospel of John where he says hey guys it's better that I leave you 
I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And they had no idea why. He's like, because I'm about to go into the sanctuary. I'm about to put in eternal work for all of you. And the Holy Spirit is my way of getting to be with you in both places all the time, forever. Amen. So let's go to verse 15. Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. All that was in the old, all that was broken, committed, willfully or unwillfully, with your intentions or with your ignorance, it's all gone. All gone. Whatever you came in holding on to, whatever you woke up this morning remembering, gone. All gone. Okay? And now we're going to go ahead and skip because the rest is, we're going to skip down to verse 24. Christ has entered, not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Go down to verse 26. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, but not to deal with sin, instead to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. That's good freaking news. So, where does this leave us? What does this have to do with where we started with that phrase? Hopefully it's all clicking and making sense. Again, if not, come to Wednesday group. We got time. Maybe let's just summarize it real quick. There was a time that we lived under a law. And that law wasn't able to bring us to repentance. It was just to paint a portrait of what the ideal life with God was to look like, of what we would do and wouldn't do just by knowing him, right? But it was external, so it couldn't bring us to repentance. The law couldn't renew our minds. It couldn't make us perfect. But because Jesus came of the things to come, he came from heaven, from the tabernacle, the perfect place, one with God because he is God, by his blood, made a sacrifice by the Holy Spirit, he is able to make us perfect. We are made perfect in Christ. So that means you are forgiven. It's not a, I've been forgiven once. It's my one shot, don't screw it up. It's not, I will be forgiven so I've got to, you know, do enough of the rituals. I've got to show up to enough church services so I can hopefully get in God's good graces. No, that's gone. Those are what the old covenant looked like, and it's gone. Instead, now, it's just a matter of you are forgiven. You are. It's your state of being. It's your state of existence. It is a central part of your identity. It's just, I am forgiven. You know, when Jesus says, I am, God says, I am in the Old Testament. 
He's just saying, I just am. It's not I was and I will be. It's just I am. I'm God. I don't change. You are forgiven. That doesn't change. Now, granted, it comes with that caveat of it's a matter of receiving it, right? But the good news is you don't have to do anything to receive it other than just say, God, I'd like to receive that, please. And he's like, boom. You believe in Jesus? Yep. Boom. You're good to go. Right? The doors are open. The sanctuary is open. The veil's torn away. You don't have to go outside and dilly-dally around and hope that God will be like, you're the high priest. You can come in. It's like, no, just come on in. We're here waiting for you. Because Jesus made a way. He's the one who did it. And like we've been saying, Jesus won't break his covenant. He's God. He's sinless. He's not going to make a mistake and do something where all of a sudden the Father goes, oh man, my covenant with humanity is looking real shaky. It's not like that. It's forever permanent. Done once and for all. This is really awesome, guys. The good news is, too, the Father who announced this new covenant, who is also God, who is also sinless, he's certainly not going to break it. It just is. That means this new covenant is unbreakable and it is eternal. As long as you receive this unbreakable and eternal covenant, you are eternally forgiven. There's nothing left for you to work for. Nothing left. You can't earn it, guys. It's a gift for you. But if you feel heavy and you feel like, I feel you saying this and I know that it should be easy, I should be able to engage but I feel like I can't, that's okay because we're going to touch on that next. So let's bring this full circle. Why are we even talking about this in the first place? This is like the core of this whole book anyways. To keep it in theme with what we've been talking about, that Jesus is better, this is all to show that Jesus was a better sacrifice than anything we could bring. So even if we did have to work for it, it just, even if we could, I guess, if we could work for it, it's never going to be as perfect and flawless as Jesus. And it's not to diminish you, you know, it's like you were made in the image of God and you're his child. But it's just to say, it's like, well, I guess, why would I want to earn it and work for it when Jesus is offering it to me? Why would I want to go any other way? Jesus is freely giving it. And if you know anything about what Jesus said, he said, I've come to do this for one reason, one reason alone. I love you. That's been the message since page one. God made us because he loves us. When Adam and Eve fumbled the bag out of Eden, one of the first things that God says is he says, hey, look, I'm going to bring a savior and it's going to be me. Spoiler, and I'm just going to rescue you guys. You know, you might have a lot of questions as far as like, well, why did it take so long? Wednesday group. But it comes down to this. God wants you to know that you are forgiven. God says, I have forgiven them. I have forgiven you. It's God, it's me. The invitation is here. So again, you might not have tracked with all of the logistical stuff of the tabernacle and all the content, and that's fine. But what's important is that we get this word in this point. So... Something I felt like Jesus wanted to do today. Um, am I really landing this on time? Wow. That is the grace of God. If anybody knows me in my personal life, I will talk for six hours straight. 
We might want to get the lights for this if somebody's down to run back and dim. Dim those bad boys. So this message of forgiveness, like we were talking about, it might feel hard to receive. It might feel like something that it just doesn't click like the, the whole, like, I just, I just, I just get it. I just get it. Cause Jesus, like so I've been in a place before where you're just, I was kind of thinking of the opposite lights. Thank you, Danny. <laughs> we can keep these boys lit up. They look good. So, um, but just like, it doesn't click, right? You're like, it's just free. And I just somehow have to I guess in another way to put it, somebody might relate in a way of like, maybe you've been in like a relationship that gets lost and people are just like, you just got to let it go, man. And you're like, well, yeah, but like, what does that even mean? Where God's like, hey, I've forgiven you. You just got to let that old stuff go. And it's like, I didn't realize I was holding on to it. It doesn't look like I'm holding on to it. How do I let go of something that's just on the inside? So what we're going to do is we're going to let Jesus teach us how to do that. I have a blast coming up here and talking and getting to dig into stuff with you guys. But Jesus is the best teacher. I'm just his student. We're all being his students right now, but more important, we're his co-heirs, we're his brothers and sisters if we want it, you know, if we're riding with him. So oftentimes we'll do, uh, you know, altar calls, right? Where it's like, we treat it like it's this special event. That every few weeks, it's like, man, I feel like today's the day that God wants to bring people to him. It wasn't four weeks ago, and it's not going to be four weeks from now. I just think today. You know what? Here's the thing. Every day, every single day, every moment of every single day is the right, perfect, opportune time to just get with him, to get right with him, and to receive him. It literally doesn't matter what place you're in, what you're doing, what you've done, what you're thinking about doing. Every single moment of your life is the perfect moment to just get to say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, we thank you that your forgiveness and your sacrifice and all this big picture, amazing holy stuff is also meant to be personal there's not a single person in this room that you don't have a fully undivided attention for who you aren't thinking about more than the stars who you haven't been thinking about before they were even born Jesus we just thank you and I just ask the Holy Spirit to touch every single one of us and come meet us here and we just want to bless you and we want to meet you and go deeper with you